Hello, and welcome to another edition of the BCF Training Podcast. I am LaVon Gilbert. I am the founder. And today we have a special treat, uh, someone who is here in my neighborhood uh, in Westchester, New York. We have Linda Harlick. She is really an amazing woman, woman of determination and grit, I, I would say. Uh, but we're going to find out more about her as we move into this. I have an interesting story as to how I met Linda. But Linda, thank you, first of all, for making the time. I know you are a very busy person. Appreciate you coming on to share your story with us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. So let me just give this quick story. So I walk my giant schnauzer, Odin, pretty much every morning. Uh, we try to do a mile. He, he, he absolutely loves it. He can go on and on, but I have to get to my day. So as we're going through the neighborhood, uh, we noticed a woman running like every day we're out and I'm a runner myself or jogger. Um, and I was just curious as to if she was training for something because so many, you know, everything was canceled this year. Of course, there are virtual races. So I just never got the opportunity to ask her about the running because she was always on the move. And then um, like a couple of weeks later, Odin and I are out on a walk and we noticed all of these signs out in front of a house that said, congratulations on finishing, completing your virtual marathon, something like that. And I'm wondering to myself, is that the woman we used to see out running all the time? But I didn't know. So maybe a week passed and I finally saw the woman who was out running stopped in front of the house. So I had to go up to her and just ask her, hey, is this, is this you and which race did you do? Lo and behold, it's Linda. So that's how that's a quick story as to how we met. And then we just started talking about running and health, fitness. And here she is today on the podcast. So Linda, tell us a little bit about you. Give us some background, where you're from, um, where you are currently in life, family, just, you know, to catch us up on to who you are. Sure. Okay. Um, well, let's see. I was born in the Bronx and lived there for, you know, a couple of years, started off uh, school there. And then my family moved to Spring Valley, New York in Rothman County and grew up there with a sister and a brother. And um, just like you always had a, always had a dog <laughs> growing up, which is great fun. Sure. Um, uh, I, uh, today live in White Plains, New York with my husband and I have two boys who are now men, uh, living out in California. Wow. Uh, and yeah. grew up in, um, they grew up in White Plains, went to White Plains, um, schools and are happily, uh, grown and flown as we say. So happy to be an empty nester. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> I started my own sort of college career in, um, uh, at the SUNY School, the College of Environmental Science and Forestry in Chemical Engineering, um, but decided that engineering after a while wasn't really for me. It didn't have enough like interaction with people as much as I loved math and science and decided to transfer uh, to Syracuse University and um, with a major in nutrition because I could use all my credits uh, that I had accumulated in chemical engineering and still graduate in time and graduate with a job, <laughs> which was important. That, yes, that, that's important. <laughs> yes, I wanted it to be like a terminal degree <laughs> and um, and went to uh, Boston uh, to do my internship and also a, completed a, um, a master's there in dietetics and really enjoyed the field of nutrition and dietetics. Um, but there wasn't really a career path. So I decided, um, and I just had greater ambitions. So I decided to go to business school with the intention of going into um, healthcare management. So I would, um, uh, I went to Columbia Business School and um, started off in the not-for-profit concentration, but then took my first marketing class and really fell in love and with marketing and, um, 
And it's kind of funny when I think back, it's like whether you're trying to persuade someone to follow a particular diet regimen um, or exercise regimen or having them or having them buy the coffee that you're selling <laughs> that you're marketing, it's kind of the same thing. Um, mm. So when uh, so um, decided to before going back into healthcare, I would get a sort of like traditional marketing experience, and um, start off with um, at General Foods, um, in the in the uh, coffee division, um, and that was um, an incredible experience. And only was intending to stay for three years, uh, but seventeen years later, <laughs> having lots of. Um, really great experiences and meeting great people, working with really smart people and learning a tremendous amount, uh, mm -hmm. decided that it was time to um, move on and do what I wanted to do, which was get it back into healthcare. And so I decided to go for a doctorate in public health, which at, at the time seemed like a little bit crazy. <laughs> um, my, but my kids were at, at the age where um, I wanted to spend a little bit more time with them at home. So I, um, they were older, one was uh, going into high school, one was going into um, finishing up elementary school. And um, so got my doctorate and started my doctoral program at New York Medical College. And um, it took about four years, my son and I, we started, he started high school on the same day I started the doctoral program. And then four years later, we both graduated. Wow. So that's pretty that's, remarkable. No, I, I got to tell you, as you're as you're telling us this, you make it just sound so seamless, so easy. <laughs> like, you know, I just moved here. I wanted to do that. But, you know, take us back a little bit, because I think this will help us understand kind of not kind of. I mean, it'll help us understand your mindset in terms of how when you make a decision to do something, how you actually go about executing. Well, you know, the plan that you have in place. So you got the itch to go back into healthcare, talk to us about what your real, what your thought process was, because that's a huge sure. jump. I mean, you were a, a successful executive. I think you, you were at Kraft, you mentioned yes. General Foods, but it yes. then became Kraft. Became yeah. Kraft. So after spending what for some people would be a career um, yeah. in a field to make that jump, yes, tell us more about that in terms of the plan. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, I always say like people say, well, what do you want to be doing in five years? Like, who knows what you want to be doing in five years? You know, it's sort of, yes, you can make something up, but right. you know, usually you, you'll, you're going to have experiences along the way in those five years that are going to shape what you want to do. And when I started at um, General Foods that then became Kraft Foods, um, it was just such a, a um, an interesting experience. I had been in the field of dietetics. I worked in a hospital setting, so everything was really very new, and all the experiences were new, and the types of people I was working with. And I always had different experiences along the way. So you get you know a little bit bored of doing selling instant coffee, you move over to the flavored coffees, or you have an experience mm -hmm. selling you know, cereals, um, and then you come back to, to coffee with a whole new set of skills. So I was always learning and um, felt that I was really developing along the way, but then it got to a point where, and I always found purpose in my work. Even though you say, well, you were selling a cup of coffee, Yes, true, but we were keeping, you know, if we increased the consumption of coffee in, in the US, we were keeping farmers um, employed and, you know, gainfully employed and whatnot. So I always found a purpose and whether it was the product itself or whether it was developing people um, that were on my team, I always felt um, like, like I had a purpose. So it wasn't so much mm -hmm. that, but I did want to um, get back to working on something that had more social consequence. So I wanted to get into, you know, go back into the, whether it was the field of nutrition or physical activity or something related to health and wellness that um, just felt like it was, had more of a social impact. And that was sort of my thought process. And I sort of started looking around and saying, well, you know, it would make sense for me to go and get a doctorate in nutrition, but it just felt a little narrow to me. Um, I just wanted something much broader. I was a little bit older and I just wanted something that would give me a lot of options. And I came upon public health and I thought, huh, public health is everything from wearing a seatbelt to getting a vaccine to dealing with chronic diseases. It's really incredibly broad field. 
Um, mm -hmm. So I decided I looked at schools that were between home and work. And that was New York Medical College was right there, <laughs> right in between, right off 287. And um, and so I took one class. I took a class um, non-matriculating um, on, um, it was called uh, Critical Issues in Public Health. And every week um, there was one issue that was discussed. And the, mm -hmm. at the very first class, we went around the room and introduced ourselves and said like what we did. And when I said I was a marketer, uh, the professor said, public health needs more marketers. And I thought, huh, that was that really kind of like piqued my interest. And if you think about it, a lot of communications that come out of the field of public health have a lot to do with educating people, but that might not be the problem. Um, it, it, there's you know, typically a consumer insight that's missed or a way to motivate people that might have nothing to do with edge. You know, everyone knows that smoking isn't good for you yet. How do you really motivate people to not start in the first place or to quit? Right, right. It's, There's it's a lot something. of information out there, but how do you get people right. to adopt it to actually put it into action? Yes. Exactly. And so that's when I said to myself, aha, you know, I really feel like I could add value to this field and I could learn a lot and it could be a way for me to progress, you know, from my career as an executive to, you know, the field of public health. But I honestly didn't know exactly what I would do um, in public health. <laughs> um, so I sort of like took it was it was definitely a leap. I see. And so where are you now? after finishing your doctorate? Yep. So I, when I finished my doctorate, um, I, I, I will admit it was a bit difficult because people would look at my resume and they'd be like, wow, your resume is so interesting, but they didn't exactly know what to do with me. Um, you know, was it on, uh, you know, was it the management side? Was it something in public health? Was it something in communications? It, it, you know, it was just a lot going on there. Um, but I always say you have to keep your network alive and well and fed. And through mm -hmm. a connection at Kraft, um, I met Peter Dolan, who um, is a former CEO of Bristol Myers Squibb. And a, um, at the time, he was a trustee at Tufts University. Now he is, I believe, the head of the trustees at um, Tufts University. And he was creating an organization at Tufts to address childhood obesity. And he was working with um, two professors from the nutrition school, uh, Dr. Christina Economos and Dr. Miriam Nelson, who were you know, pioneers in the field of um, childhood obesity, nutrition, physical activity. And he brought them together along with an amazing board of directors that included uh, CEOs and you know just folks at the top of their of their field in um, uh, industry, in non other nonprofits, um, academia, and in government, because he wanted to have a multi-sector approach to addressing childhood obesity. So when he looked at my resume, he was like, "Oh my goodness, you have a multi-sector background." So for him, it worked really well because all those little all those different fields, you know built to you know what he was trying to accomplish. And so I came in really managing um, the initiatives that we were scaling nationally. And I used, I would say, all of my management skills. Um, so it was mm -hmm. so, you know, almost like, you know, these were little four, we uh, scaled four um, initiatives. They were like four brands and they each had a brand manager and they each had, you know, teams working. And um, it was sort of that kind of a, of a, of a process that we used. So we kind of brought together the management skills along with the public health knowledge and nutrition expertise and physical activity expertise to make this happen. So it all kind of, it was, you know, a bit of, of luck <laughs> that it all came together. So I did that for about six years um, once I, uh, following my doctorate. And then um, that organization came to a close. Um, it accomplished what its goals were. And actually I was commuting up to Boston so it was sort of also time <laughs> to find oh, something wow. a little closer to home. Yeah. Um, and during that time, I also discovered the sport of triathlon and really got into um, triathlons and took a year off from work and um, sort of pursued that a little bit more seriously. Um, did a lot of triathlons that year, went to a training camp, had a lot of fun. Um, but then I really wanted to be part of an organization again. 
And so once again, through my network, um, I uh, was alerted to a position at Harlem Children's Zone and they were um, looking to replicate a health and wellness program that addresses childhood obesity. Um, it has a kids component and family and staff and community, and they would like to replicate that outside of Harlem into communities across the country. And so given my experience replicating and scaling initiatives at Tufts and my background in childhood obesity and public health, it was a really nice fit. So I'm currently there and it's been almost two years that I've been there. Wow, that's, that's great. That's great that you were able to bring all of your interests together um, uh, for your career. Very impressive. Right? I mean, it, it really is. Not not too many people are able to do that. So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's I am. Um, great. You know, I think I think part of it is just is being open to things, um, and you know, just saying yes. You know, yes. Let's let's connect on that and talk about that, and where let's see where that could go. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned in as you were talking here about finding triathlons. Now, right. how how did that that I mean that's a big thing. You didn't yes. say, well, I was just uh, I like running five k here and there. I mean, the, the jump to triathlons. But let me yeah. ask you, with that, were you an active person growing up? Did you play sports? Um, no. So this is sort of the, the real crazy part is that I did not do sports as a kid. I'm a little bit older and girls weren't really pushed into, not to say pushed in a bad way, but like encouraged to do sports. Um, so I did not do um, any kind of like um, organized sport as a kid. Um, I think, you know, in my 20s, I ran a little bit. I lived in Boston for about six years. Boston is a huge running town. And mm -hmm. um, you can easily sort of get caught up in it and there's beautiful places to run. And so I definitely got into running a little bit, but then in my thirties, I was building a career. I was having two kids, um, did, you know, walking was sort of our big thing. We'd do a lot of family walks. Um, so try to sort of stay active that way, but I can't really say that I really pushed myself. Um, my forties and maybe I did like Pilates. Um, so again, like I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was ever sedentary, but never really did anything organized, would not say that I have any athletic ability whatsoever. Um, as a kid, we, you know, we swam like at the local, um, pool. My mom was, um, is a very good swimmer. And so she'd always, you know, we'd swim across, we had like a lake, we'd swim across the lake. So we were decent swimmers, but nothing in, on the competitive level at all. We just knew we had the mm -hmm. scale of being able to swim. Um, okay. But in, um, in 2012, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at that year, there was a lot of research that came out about how physical activity can help prevent cancer recurrence. So that was highly motivating. And I said, I said to myself, once I get through active treatment and kind of like deal with everything, which was a good like two years, I would, um, I'm going to like increase, I'm going to like take it up a, a many notches on the physical activity piece. And what did you start with, you mentioned you, you yeah. wanted to be more active. What were you doing? What was like that just... <laughs> Okay, I mean, so it sounds like you had an idea of like, I want to be really active after my <laughs> treatments, but what were you just, right. I mean, I'm curious, what were you doing to start? Just, I jumped into triathlon. So I, oh. I got sucked in, in, um, so in 2014, um, I, we had joined, um, the lifetime gym that is here in, in town and, um, and they had a, a weight loss program that was this lovely woman Bridget was running and she would also, I also went out cycling with, um, with the group and she would lead the cycling. And I was always in like this, you know, the slowest group kind of just moseying along. And, um, and so with this weight loss group, they were, they had signed up for, to do the super sprint at the Westchester triathlon. So um, the Western Triathlon is a full Olympic-sized triathlon. The day before, they have um, little mini triathlons for kids and a, a, what's called a super sprint, which is like just the shortest uh, triathlon you could possibly do to really give people a taste of it. And she was taking her group to do it. And she was like, why don't you come along? Why don't you do this? And I was like, okay. Like, it was crazy. I was like, sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and we we did it like as a, we started off like as a group. It was very non-threatening. I made every rookie mistake. Um, and, uh, but, you know, got through it. It was really fun. And triathlon is incredibly process oriented and I love a good process. Um, so I was uh -huh. like, this is my sport. You know, you have to like, you have to be very organized. You have to, you know, get all your stuff together. There's a lot of stuff that goes along with it. You have to, you know, get all your stuff together. You have to set it up in a certain way. You know, mm -hmm. you do three different, you know, this three different disciplines and two transition points. <laughs> so it's, um, there's a lot of process. And I, I sort of, so I was like, oh, wow, this is like really cool. I'm going to sign up for the New York City Triathlon, which is like nuts. Like, wow. Now, how, though, wait, how many did you do before you made that decision to sign up for okay, New York? Well, just the super sprint. So I did the super sprint. So with super and, sprint, just for people who don't know, oh, like okay. a sprint is like a half, you swim a half mile. Is that right? And then so, you yes. bike so, so 12. Yeah, so they're, they're, well, I will say, so let's start with the Olymp the Olympic size, which is sort of like the standard size, is mm -hmm. a 0 0.9, 0 0.9 mile swim, um, a 25 mile bike, and then a 10K run. So okay. typ typically a, a sprint is half, you know, half that. So half mile swim about, about 12 miles, and then typically a 5K. And it can okay. vary a little bit. You know, it's not, there's not like a standard size sprint, but it's about half of an Olympic. Super sprints are even like less. So it could be like maybe a quarter mile uh, swim oh, or a third of a okay. mile swim, maybe a six or an eight mile bike. And it could be anywhere from like, you know, a mile, maybe one mile of a, of a run. So it really just gives okay. you a taste of the whole thing. I will tell you for the super sprint that's done uh, as part of the Westchester Triathlon, you can, in the, when you go into the water, you can put your feet down at any time. So it was like, it's the best one to start with because- Yeah, you, it sounds like a great introduction. It's a great, great introduction. It's, it's completely non-threatening. Uh, um, so I did that. So I did that. And after that, I decided to do, so that was in 2014. And so the um, I decided to do the 2015 New York City Triathlon, which is in July. So it was about seven, eight, nine, nine, ten 10 months later. Okay. And I said, okay, <laughs> now it's a little bit different when you walk into, you know, the, um, uh, the, the Long Island Sound and you can walk at any point, you can put your feet down and you have to jump off a barge to get into the Hudson River in New York City to do that. So the yeah. New York City swim is from like 98th Street on the west side to, you know, 78, you know, a mile, a mile later. Um, but the way you get into the water is you walk out onto a barge and it's about a three foot drop mm. into the water. And the, there's a current, which is a positive thing. The current is moving with you, but it's still like slightly terrifying. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, now, have you done much open, I mean, I'm going to say open water swimming before or? No, no, no. no never. So I, um, so I thought to myself, well, first of all, I joined one of the organizations that helped me get through dealing with breast cancer was an organization called Charcheret. And they have um, an athletic team um, that has slots in some of the big races around the country. So they have slots available for the New York City Triathlon. And at the time, you could get into it through a charity or through a lottery. And so I didn't want to take the chance on the lottery. So I decided to join Team Charcheret. I got a slot, I raised money. Um, but they also have a coaching program. So they have a training program that you, that you can follow and access to a coach, a triathlon coach. And um, and he was great. He was a, a man of very few words, but <laughs> would give you just, an, just enough information, enough encouragement to keep you moving forward. So his advice was, okay, you're not gonna, like to start with New York City is pretty overwhelming. There's like 4,000 people. It's in a small, you know, it's in a very small space. It can feel like very overwhelming. Each of the components are not particularly difficult. It's sort of, it's almost considered a beginner triathlon because the swim, you do have a current, um, you ride on the West Side Highway, which is not particularly hilly, and then the run is in Central Park. So it's not a particularly tough course. It just can be very overwhelming because of its its size and you know just sort of the and and having to get into the Hudson River. Um, right, so he said, right. so he was like, sign up for a sprint, 
you know, six weeks beforehand, beforehand, and, um, you know, to give yourself practice, you don't want to like, you know, freak out during during the race, you want to enjoy it, you want to have fun. I mean, my whole goal is just cross the finish line with a smile on your face. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so I sign up. And the I it was early June. So again, I had not been in open water because it was too cold in May to get into the open water. Um, but I did buy a sweat, a, um, a wetsuit. And because um, I was going to wear a wetsuit for the New York City Triathlon. So I go to Pauling. Pauling has a triathlon in early June. It's a sprint. It's in a lake. So no fear of like the waves or anything like that. So I was feeling really great. I, you know, ready to go into the water and the water is freezing cold. And when I hit the water and you walk into it, you know, like you run into the water and I hit that water and I immediately started hyperventilating. Oh, wow. I could I could not catch my breath. I could not catch my breath. But I, I had taken swim lessons. And um, one of the 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 instructor had said to me, you know, if you get caught up in a situation where, you know, the freestyle isn't working for you, do the breaststroke, do the side stroke, do the backstroke, like whatever can get you through it. And so I had him in my head, which was like amazing. <laughs> and yeah. I would, because I could not put my face in the water. So I started doing the breaststroke. And still, I could not put my face in the water. And you cannot hold your head is incredibly heavy. <laughs> And I could not <laughs> hold my head up. And it was only a third of a mile. I could not hold my head up for a third of a mile. I got on my back and I did the elementary backstroke the whole entire way. Really? I got, <laughs> I got out of the water. I was so frazzled from that whole experience. I was like the third to last person out. The other people did not get on their bikes. They were like, done, we're done. <laughs> I got on my bike and as I'm leaving, the person who's going to win is coming in from his bike. So I am just starting the bike and he has done the swim and the bike. And he, he looks up at me and he's like, you go get him!" Like so supportive. <laughs> I was like, oh, I like this sport. <laughs> so I finally caught my, I was, I was still like so frazzled. I caught my breath finally on like mile eight out of 11 miles. And that's when the race started for me. <laughs> That's when I felt like I could like push myself a bit. And I thought, so my husband was there and I thought he was going to kill me because he is very athletic and takes great pride in um, being athletic. And I thought, oh my God, you know, I am just, the Herlick name is going to be tarnished because of like how slow I am moving through this thing and how far behind I am. When I came across the finish line, he was so happy. He was so proud of me for having accomplished this, that all that, you know, fear just, you know, dripped away. <laughs> wow, well, that that's great. And so that obviously gave you the confidence. You're like, if I can well, do this one, well, okay. So I'm so, saying it. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. It, it didn't. It didn't quite give me the confidence because that experience in the water was so terrifying. Um, so I talked to my coach, and he said you need to get into the open water every week, one time every every week. And so it was like five weeks until New York City. And um, and I I also discovered an open water swim clinic. So it's for all people who are had this ex the same experience I did, and it was out on Coney Island. And so I went out there and it was like a one day thing and it was great because it's, you know, the instructor is, you know, he knows he's dealing with people who are fearful, you know, who have become fearful in the water. I was never really afraid of the water, but having had that experience and um, the minute sort of we got into the water, it started raining, the waves picked up and he just had us swimming along, you know, the, the coastline. And I thought to myself, you know what, I can do this. I'm calm as a cucumber. I can, you know, I can get this done. If I can do it in here with these waves and with the rain, um, then I can do it. I can do it in the Hudson with a current that's with you. So, mm -hmm. um, so that sort of gave me the confidence. And I had um, a friend who happens to be a lifeguard and she loves open water swimming. And so she took me over to ride Playland and we went into the sound um, once a week. And just to get used to the cold, you know, the you know the cold water, and just that feeling of you know being in the water. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I did New York City, 
I just, I stepped off that barge and it was the most amazing experience. I did not have one bit of fear at all. That's great. That's yeah. great. So the swimming part was the, the biggest, the largest challenge for you out yes. of the, the three. Yes. Right? Yes. So. And I would say that's the case for most triathletes. Um, a lot yeah. of times they say like the racing doesn't begin until you get on your bike. You just got to get through the, the swim. <laughs> True, true. But, but yeah, it, it is the most nerve-wracking part. Now, how many triathlons have you uh, have you done? I've probably done about, well, if I count them all up, maybe about 17 triathlons in the past like six years. Mm -hmm. None this year because of COVID. Everything's been right. canceled. Um, but I did get into running a little bit as well. Um, you know, for me, the running part was just like putting one foot in front of the other. I'm going to make it, you know, if I can make it to the run, I can make it to the finish line. And, um, but decided to get a little bit more serious about running and um, did a couple of 10 Ks and did a couple half marathons. And then this past year, uh, decided to do the, um, the New York City Marathon, which, you know, I was sort of going to bail when it became virtual. And then someone said to me, because I didn't think I could do it by myself. Like, that's sort of insane. You know, you have, you're, you're your own race director. <laughs> you have right. to like, set everything up. You got to figure out your course, you know, all that training by yourself. Um, but she was like, of course you can do it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a try. Now, how long did you train for the New York City Marathon? The New York City, that was for four months of like solid oh yeah solid training and i would say i um i had this big pl plan of running for 2020 so i was going to do the um i was going to do the brooklyn half the new york city brooklyn half i was going through new york road runners um i had a bunch of 10ks lined up i was going to do they have uh new york road runners sponsors two runs in the summer in preparation for the marathon in um central park so like a, i think like a 10 mile and like maybe like an 18 mile. Um, so all of that was canceled, but I did join uh, New York Roadrunners had something called um, the coaching lab and it was a virtual training. And so we did, you get your, your schedule, your training plan, and then you meet twice a week on Zoom with a community of runners who are all mm -hmm. training for the same thing. And that was a really fun experience. And, um, and I don't think I could have done it without that group because they were very motivating because especially as you're running through the summer and it's hot and it's humid and you're like slogging away and you're like, you get to 12 miles and like, <laughs> and you've like never run, you know, like, you know, 12 miles is, is, and you're like, there's no way, how can I do more than twice of this? Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So let me back, let me back you up a little bit here. So sure. what, why did you, or what, how did you come to the decision to focus on running uh, for this year? Where before you, it sounded like you liked the variety of the triathlon. Yeah. What was what was the shift? What was the change? I, I did. I did. I really did like. I really do, and I still do like triathlons and want to get back into them. I wanted to um, just see if I could. I mean, I'm incredibly um, slow, <laughs> so I wanted to just to see if I could improve my running and just feel. I wanted to feel more comfortable with my running. And again, what do I do in those situations? I set a really big goal right? Because then you're kind of like drawn to that goal and you have to make a plan to get there. So if I just said, said to myself, well, you know, I want to run more, that probably wouldn't have happened. But if I said, I want to do a marathon, then I have to make a plan to get there and find resource, resources and experts to help me along the way, which I typically do. Um, so really the, the motivation was really, you know, just wanting to focus on sort of one piece of the discipline and the discipline that I felt least comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And talk to me a little bit about what the plan was. I know you said that there was um, a prescribed plan that you, I guess, was it given to you when you signed up yep. or it was yeah. part of something additional? What, what, what was the plan and yep. how did you go about executing it? Sure. So, um, uh, New York Roadrunners uses uh, the program called Final Surge, which is like, I think Training Peaks is probably more familiar to folks, um, okay. but it's an online platform um, that a coach can put in what your training schedule is, and then you can look at it day by day. You can, um, 
leave, you know, they can leave an explanation, you can leave uh, comments for the coach, and you can sort of have a dialogue up and back. And so uh, typically to start off, um, there was a day where you would um, potentially like run hills. So there would be one, one day a week you would run hills because hills make you stronger, whether there's hills in your, uh, in your marathon or not. And in West, I, my, I ran in Westchester, there's, you cannot avoid the hills. I've tried. Correct. Correct. And I do avoid those hills, as I mentioned <laughs> to you, but go ahead. Um, and so you might have a day that's called a tempo run, which you try to, you know, run, you warm up and then you run at a sustained, um, you know, pace for a certain amount of time. And then you have a long run. Um, and which is typically on the weekends and those the long run literally started like three miles. Like the first long run was three miles. And I was like, holy cow, <laughs> how am I going to do this? Like eight and two thirds more time. Like this is insane. But you know what you go, your long run is three miles, four miles, five miles, six miles, and it just keeps climbing and you just keep adding, you know, another mile. And so when you get to like, you know, 16 miles, you say, well, if I can run 16, I can run 17, right? If you can run 17, you can run 18. For me, the longest run I did was 18 miles. Um, so let me ask you this. Did you ever have to talk yourself into starting those runs? Or what was, what was your mindset like in terms of going through the plan? I know sometimes when you look further out with the plan because like, i've you know done a couple of them myself it's like how am i gonna do that but what what yeah. were you thinking as you were going through it did you, you like know, i said did you have to put yeah. yourself up for some of these um you know i'm i'm pretty good at well i would say i'm not pretty good at trusting the process but i'm pretty good at convincing myself to trust the process and that's that was the mantra was to trust the process and to know that, you know, and I really trusted like New York Roadrunners. It's like, this is an organization that's all about running and their coaches are really passionate about running. And if they're telling me that if I follow this plan, I will get to the finish line, I'm going to trust that that's going to happen. Not to say I did not have little breakdowns along the way and be like, I don't see how this is going to happen. I would say the worst one was probably I did 14 miles, which is the longest I'd ever run because I'd done half marathons, but never anything more than that. So right. 14 miles, my ankles were killing everything. Like I could not take another step. And after your long run, you're supposed to feel like you could do more. No, <laughs> I <laughs> was just a basket case. And so that I was a little panicked after that. And like, well, how am I ever going to run more than that? If the, I feel so terrible at 14, but you know what? The next week, you get up, you get out the door. And honestly, I would have my husband drop me off in Armonk. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I would run, I would run um, around like Byram Lake. And then I would head down to SUNY, SUNY Purchase. And he would, uh, he or a friend would pick me up there. Um, so like not having to go out my front door was helpful. Like having at 7am <laughs> being dropped off. <laughs> 14 miles away from home <laughs> was, um, you know, like you have no choice. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm going to tell you a little, a little story. When I was training for the Chicago Marathon, I, this was my second, no, uh, hold on, second marathon. And I was behind schedule on my training due to some family issues that took me away from training. So I had to, I had a long run schedule. 17 miler. I'd never run 17 miles. I'm like, how am I going to do this? And there was a, a nice jump to that 17 mile point. I think it actually went from 14 to 17. Ooh. So what I did was I told my wife, I said, I'm not taking my phone with me because I was concerned that I was going to get out someplace, legs lock up, feel terrible and call her to come pick me up. My thing was no matter what, I have to make it back to my car so that I can get back home. And that's what I did. I think that like the last two and a half miles I had to walk, but I was just determined that no matter what, I was gonna complete it. So I, I had to create a plan to make sure that I was gonna actually see it through. And that, is, that was my way of doing it, similar to <laughs> your husband dropping yeah. you off a good distance <laughs> away from, from the house. We all have to do these little things to get over that hurdle, right? Sure. And then once sure. you do that, then it's like, 
okay, I can do this. So next week, what is it? It's 20. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure I'll be able to make that happen. So yeah, yeah. good stuff. Good stuff. Now, let me ask you this. So what is your, what is it like now for you incorporating health and fitness into, I mean, I can clearly see that it is a lifestyle for you. So how has it moved to that point for you? I know we've heard, you've talked to us about these events, um, races, triathlons that you've done, but what is going on just in general to have health and fitness as part of your lifestyle? Yeah, I would. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's really interesting because my lifestyle really did change. I, I was never like a couch potato, but like I said, I never really pushed myself and I never really made any kind of physical activity, except maybe, you know, when the when kids were a little bit younger and we had a dog, every night we'd go out, you know, except in the maybe the dead of winter, we would go out and probably walk about a mile with the dog and with the mm -hmm. kids and my husband would come and he would bring a football and he'd play catch with the kids as we kind of like walked along. So that, that was part of it. We'd go out for like maybe family bike rides, but nothing on a like a regular type of basis. Um, my kids were in sports. Um, they were swimmers and tennis players. Um, when they took ice skating lessons, um, I took ice skating lessons. <laughs> so that's one one piece that of advice that I would give for for parents is that you know you don't have to sit on the sidelines. You could find a way to be physical active active when your kids are on the field or doing their sport or whatnot. But I really, it, like I said, it wasn't really part of my lifestyle. But once I started with triathlon, I did join um, a Lifetime. The gym did have a triathlon team, and I joined mm -hmm. that. And they have a they had a fantastic coach, um, Anam Swart, who um, is incredibly motivating and can deal. You know, across the team, we had age of like twenty four to like seventy two. So big age range, um, as well as beginners, people who have never done any triathlon, you know, really beginners to Ironman. So a really big range. And, um, you know, she had this great way of being able to sort of take us all out and we could all, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, improve from where we were, you know, and then um, and get better, but all, you know, at these very different points, you know, different ranges that that were uh, existed within the team. Um, so I would say in terms of making a part of a lifestyle, if you do join a team, then you're with like-minded people. Mm, and yes. um, so like, you know, you're not going out Saturday night, you know, drinking at the bars, you're going to bed. So you could get up Sunday morning, <laughs> meet at Harriman Park and do a 28 mile bike ride <laughs> that has a lot of hills in it. <laughs> so right. And we did have fun, but we always got to bed early, I'd say. <laughs> so, you know, being around like-minded people and being accountable. So, you know, the alarm goes off at five in the morning and you're supposed to be in the pool at 545 and you want to turn that alarm off and go back to bed. But, you know, Janet is going to, if you do that, then Janet's going to text you later and say, where were you? And are you not fit? Because, of course, if you weren't there, you weren't feeling well, you were sick, you know, <laughs> versus just not motivated. Um so being accountable to other people, um, also thinking about how you're going to feel afterwards, you know, instead mm -hmm, of, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes like, you know, you don't want to get up that early or do whatever, but you know, afterwards, you know, that feeling of how great you're going to feel. So focusing on that, um, I would, you know, also say sort of in the same line of like your friends, like you're only, I always say you're only as healthy as your social network. So if you have a group of friends who are also, you know, into fitness or fitness enthusiasts, then that just makes it easier because then that, that becomes sort of your social outlet or, or at least folks that support you in it and don't think you're totally crazy. Um, right. And then, you know, I would also say like, just like if you can have an active commute. So if you commute to work, like take the stairs, you know, don't take the elevator at the train station, like climb up those three flights of stairs and, you know, par park further away and, um, you know, things like that to just sort of incorporate, you know, just everyday movement, because the great mm -hmm. thing about physical activity is that every little bit counts. So you know, one minute is better than no minutes. Five minutes is better than one minute. Um, it's very, you know, it's it adds up incrementally really, really quickly. And well, then one, excuse me, one thing yeah. I'm sorry, just before I yeah. lose this, one yeah. thing I'm hearing that you're saying is about 
um, having a social network that is something that has been important to you in terms of helping uh, move fitness forward for you and being part of your lifestyle. With COVID and are not being as connected as we were in the past, how have you adjusted? I mean, I would see you out each morning by yourself you weren't with the partner running so where was that I, I don't know is it is it motivation for you uh is there something motivating you to continue forward with these things because i know some people they didn't have a race on the calendar a live race so their running just dropped off yeah. as the months have continued and i know one guy i used to see him posting things all the time and he used to travel to races I want to ask him, like, what, what are you doing these days? Because he he never talks about it. I, I don't think he's running or in the gym. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's a tough been, thing right now. Yeah, it's definitely been hard. I you know before joining the tri team, I would say that like going to the gym never really excited me. But you know, being part of a team that's you know out of a gym. It, it was fun to go to the gym and, you know, some and, and it, we would make it social. So, you know, Saturday morning runs and you'd all start to, you weren't all finished together, but we'd all start together. And then we'd wait for each, you know, at the end, we'd wait for each other and then have a cup of coffee or a smoothie or something. So it was very social. So do I miss that? Absolutely. You know, I definitely miss all those folks. I just, I took this past year, any opportunity we had to be able to gather safely uh, we did a bit of that. We did some open water swimming in the summertime. And so I got to see my, you know, old teammates. Um, so that was mm -hmm. a really nice thing. Um, but I would say um, also it's like I am motivated by staying healthy and, um, and you know, having, you know, being a, I, I always say I'm a, I don't like the name uh, survivor, cancer survivor. I say I like to be a cancer victor. <laughs> I want to be victorious. Uh, mm -hmm. That is highly motivating for me personally to get me out there. Um, I don't really mind doing things on my own. I don't mind, you know, running on my own. Um, but yeah, I definitely, you know, 2020 has been really tough. Um, I would also say that mentally it's like very um, exercise has a lot of uh, benefits emotionally as well. And um, you can see that like if you get yourself out there and you do it, especially like I like to go out in the morning and at least you feel like you've accomplished something and sort of like no matter what happens during the day, you've done something. <laughs> right. Um, so that's, mo you know, that's motivating. I really try and just focus on how I'm going to feel afterwards instead of the pain of doing it sometimes. <laughs> oh, I'm completely with you because I feel so much better once I've completed my workout. And part of it is just my body is so much looser once I've gotten very warm. I have a back condition. So it's just sets the right tone for my day. If I miss it, then it's like I'm a completely different person the rest of the day because I'm uncomfortable. I never, I didn't yeah. get the opportunity to loosen myself up. So for me, it was out of necessity, if you will, yeah. to function properly. So yeah. I had an interesting conversation with another person who was on the podcast. And it was interesting how she said it. I'm going to mention it to you. She considered, uh, exercise, uh, fitness, just like a prescribed medication. Oh, she just yeah. takes it every day. And I told her, I said, that's an interesting way to think about it. Um, because she said she moved from motivation to it's just something that happens during the day. It's not that I need to have this or have that. And yeah. I said, I guess I'm kind of in, uh, in the same direction. I look at it as like, brushing my teeth in the morning. It's just, it's going to happen. Cause I was training a guy one time and he kept asking me, LaVon, you always seem excited when we get here early at the gym and all this. And he come dragging in. I don't want you know, Casey listens to this. I don't want to say too much, but right. um, I'm like excited. Like, let's go, let's go. And he's like, so how do you do that? I said, I don't even think about it. I wake up, I get, brush my teeth. I'm getting dressed to go to the gym. It's it's going to happen. So yeah, it, it's it's a great thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love sharing it. I love talking about it. And that's why I was really excited that day you saw me when you were telling me about your your race and all of the activities that you've been a part of. 
And yeah. I would like to do this here as we're just kind of ending things. I know you were giving a couple of the tips um, in terms of how to incorporate activity into making it a lifestyle. I know that you had some other things that um, I yeah. thought were really cool. If you wouldn't mind sharing them with us, uh, um, a couple of more. Yeah, sure. Um, I, uh, we also started, my husband's also um, active. He's more of a, run, a runner. He likes to bike and he loves tennis and he loves softball. Um, so he's pretty active. And when we used to go on vacation, he would always, he, I don't play tennis, but he would always, you know, play tennis and, and be, you know, beach volleyball, being like more active than I was on vacation. And so, so once I got into sort of triathlon, I'm like, well, I want to like, I want to be more active on vacation too. And so we started taking um, cycling trips through back roads and we oh, just had a blast. I mean, what a way to see a part of the country or to see another country, you know, on a bicycle. And you just get to meet, you know, you meet people on the road, you know, who like are interested in like, what are you doing here on a bicycle? <laughs> and, and you know, so it's like, it, and, and you're with, again, with like like-minded people who want to be yes. active as well. And yeah. so I think we'll definitely continue to do to do that. And that's so and if you're going to go on a back roads vacation, whether it's hiking or biking or or any type of those active vacations, to some extent, you have to train a little bit for it. It's not like training for a race, but you, you're not going to sit on a bicycle five days in a row, having not been on a bike for three months. So, right. you know, you're going to get out once a week or <laughs> not. You're not going to enjoy it as much. So that right, kind of like right. keeps you you know, motivated as well. And then, and then we started getting even a little crazier and we started building events around a uh, like a mini vacation. So the first uh, thing we did, we signed up for a half marathon in Savannah, Georgia through the rock and roll um, marathon series, yes. running series. And, um, and so that was great fun. We went down a couple of days early. We got sort of settled in. We had some great meals. We did some sightseeing. We did the event. Um, and it was just great, you know, great to be a part of the city in that way. And um, we once did, my husband um, once traveled to, um, for work to Toronto and it was over um, New Year's Eve. And so we did the midnight run on uh, oh, cool. New Year's Eve in Toronto when it was negative three degrees. Le wow. Yes, it was really cold. It was luckily it was, um, it was only a 5K. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably the fastest 5k I've ever run. Um, but they were so excited that there were these New Yorkers there and had come and were doing the race with them. And so it's, you know, it's a sort of, it's different. It's a different thing. And, yeah. um, and we'll definitely, you know, uh, once it's safe again to travel and to get out there and do live events, we'll definitely sign up for more of those. So that's a nice thing. We don't run um, together necessarily because he's faster than I am. And I say, you know, if he stays with me, there will, I'll, there'll definitely be a divorce lawyer at the finish line. <laughs> I feel way too pressured the whole way. So just we start together and then we find each other afterwards. I know the feeling. That's how my wife and I would do it too, because we we have very different paces. But the, the cool thing is being able to do it together and share the experience for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We have a great time. True. Well, Linda, thank you so much. I sure. really appreciate this. Um, Absolutely. Look forward. It's getting cold out here now. I don't know. Am I going to see you out on the road? Yes. Still? I was out. Okay. On, I, was, I, I do look at the temps a bit more when it gets this cold, but I was out on Tuesday and I'll be out tomorrow morning. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I will be out in the morning, but I think, uh, well, as you know, I don't run in our yes. neighborhood, but I will be on a path somewhere. So okay. again, Excellent. thank you very much. And I look forward to having, having you back on at some point in the future. Take Absolutely. care. Absolutely. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.